teach me to father the father seekers podcast for fatherless fathers striving to be better dads learning the art and the skill set the toolbox of being a great father it can be done it's not impossible anything is possible if you don't want to put the work in and do the work you got to have the right tools and find the right place and the right information and the right people to talk to and this is one of those sources teach me to father hey my name is barry edgman the founder of father seekers and we are today with one of my favorite people in all the world she is pastor extraordinaire mother wife not a grandmother yet (laughs) (laughs) she she is she is the 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 creator and writer of of a thing called journey to wholeness if you have ever listened to this podcast you have heard us mention more than one time journey to wholeness and this is the driving force behind it uh Pastor Becky Alcantar, welcome. Thank you. It's good yep. to be here. I love that intro music. Yeah. I like the grind of it. <laughs> I think uh, Keith, Keith, he's got a really great knack for that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so, Journey to Wholeness. Yeah. Tell us the story. Wow. All right. I'll give you the history of it. Uh Honestly, Journey to Wholeness was born out of my own journey to uh, just be better. Things that I had been struggling with, things I saw myself uh, that I was not happy with. I think many of us have had that experience where we were interacting in a way that, you know, it was difficult to reconcile with it. We had this imagination of who we would be and how we would interact and how, uh, you know, our marriage would look and our parenting would look and how our life was going to be different. And yet I found myself repeating a lot of the patterns of um, the generations before me, things that I had swore would be different uh, for us. And so it started me looking for, you know, what was the missing element? What were the missing keys? I'd grown up uh, in church and faith. Uh, my very first memory in life is being in church and serving. And yet, even though I sat in services, I'm an 80s kid and 90s teenager. So uh, we were in church Sunday morning, Sunday evening, uh, you know, Monday for prayer, Wednesday for um, youth group, Friday for special services and revivals. And even with all of that, I found myself struggling to put the pieces together, that the things that were being preached from the pulpit that I aspire to live in and be in and demonstrate in myself, uh, I had trouble really applying it practically in my life. And so mm. I was that kid who wanted to raise my hand in the middle of the hour, hour and a half long sermons that we had at the time mm. and ask the practical questions. And so really that's what Journey was born out of. Uh, my own personal story and looking for those pieces. And once I learned those pieces, I could not hold them in me. I started telling everyone, everyone needs to know about these things because we were all struggling silently. I found out it was silent when I uh, offered my first life group. Oh, wow. That we called Balance Heart and Mind, Mm. (laughs) which everyone teases uh, me about now. But it really was, if you feel like you have chaos in your heart, you have chaos in your mind, you can't you're having trouble making sense of things and putting things out into the world the way you want. You know, let's talk about those things that if you have those practical questions, let's talk about that. And uh, that started in 2014. Mm. Uh, it grew from a group of 25. That was our first group to 65. Mm. And honestly, we haven't had less than that any season since. I mm. said I would continue to do it until people stop signing up. And here we are going on our 10th mm. year yeah. uh, and people are still signing up. And in as much as uh, 2020 was a difficult season for so many, it was the best season. I, I just said this to someone this morning. It was when we finally realized there are things in inside of us that we need to work on and address and face um, because we've been wrestling with them too long. And so that's the story of Journey to Wholeness, just really this desire to be better, but also to share that information. Uh, I, I always say, you know, I just took the 
best pieces of all the parts of the things that I was learning um, that helped me. And I wanted to share those with others. Mm. And uh, now today it's a 12 week course <laughs> with mm. videos and applications and uh, almost 200 page workbook um, to help you have those tools in your hand so that you can face life's challenges because we are going to have challenges in life. We're going to have transitions. We're going to have tragedy. Are you prepared to face those things? Have you done the work to have the tools in hand so that you can do that well, so that you cannot have regret in your life, but instead have a legacy uh, that you can be proud of. I think of Job sitting you know, at the end of his life looking at the double portion. Um, mm. And honestly, going through my journey and watching others walk through journey to wholeness, even when it seems like life has been devastating, um, to see them see the blessings out of that devastation and to live life to the fullest is Really why I continue to do this. Uh, we say our facilitators, we have facilitators who lead the groups. Uh, and we say we lead it because we need it. That's we, good. That's we good always line. need to be engaged in this work because there's no you know, lack of challenges, difficulties, struggles, pains in this world. Scripture tells us that. What's the line? What's the line you, you say? Uh, you're either... Mm. You're either... You're, Coming out of, in the middle of, or going into, going into, mm, yeah. in some transition in or tragedy in your life. Isn't isn't that isn't that the story for all of us? Oh, absolutely, regardless. absolutely. Mm -hmm. I think if we didn't have that, we are not living right. Like we we address the big things in our life, and I think the biggest thing I hear people saying out of journey to wholeness is that. I came here for one reason. I thought I was coming here for one reason and I realized it was something entirely different. I just had never taken the time to take that inventory of my life. And, you know, we deal with the thing that's most pressing first and then realize, wait a second, there are these other threads in my life that I didn't realize were impacting or influencing these other areas. And those are the things that we continue to work on. If we weren't doing that, we're not growing, we're not learning. And so uh, we find quickly the journey isn't a once and done. It's something that we learn so that we can take into life so that we have, again, those resources at our fingertips for whenever we face a new challenge, a new transition. Because gosh, if you aren't having transitions in your life, what is life? We should be having new oh, yeah. experiences, oh, yeah. new interactions, new relationships. So one of the things that's that's intrigued me about Journey to Wholeness over my, well, I've been connected with it for several years, but as a student facilitator mm -hmm. and uh, in, in that level of involvement, one of the things that I've been able to put words around is the 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 idea and concept of uh, Paul, the great apostle, wrote being rooted and grounded in your faith. Mm -hmm. And w what what I've realized about not not knowing, not understanding trauma mm -hmm. and what caused it, and what what the deep roots. You said something way back years ago, um, my first time through, and I was so I was so broken, I, I couldn't string sentences together. But you said uh, um, roots, oh seeds, seeds make roots, r roots make fruits, or oh. you gave this progression of of once things are seeded in us, right? They they bear fruit, and yeah. you gave this long progression of. And I think about when we're not regenerated and we're not healed uh, through Jesus, then we're always contending with the fruit of the wound and the trauma. Talk yeah. about that. Yeah, every seed bears fruit. We use the analogy of the garden quite a bit. I am not a gardener. I just want to clarify that. But I know enough that um, if you have an untended garden, um, if you don't learn what uh, the plants, the species are in your garden, what the seeds that have been um, tossed into your garden, uh, you're always going to be dealing with weeds and they will choke out the good fruit in your life. 
But if you don't know the difference between a weed and a good fruit or a plant, uh, you're, you may be tending weeds in your life, right? And we can all feel that in that, why do I return to the same thing? Why is it that it seems like I'm dealing with this in another area of my life? Why does life always seem to be difficult and a struggle? Why doesn't it seem like I'm connecting on these points? And it's really because we haven't taken... Um, the time, but also we haven't been courageous enough to really uproot the things in our garden to take a real assessment of that. Uh, the first time we had a garden, we uh, we inherited it from someone who worked for the botanical garden, so she was an expert. But for us, who we were novices, we're city kids, we never had a garden. Uh, we didn't know what we were doing, and our kind neighbor came over one day and said, "You just got to pull it all up." And that seemed so daunting and scary. We didn't want to do damage to the good fruit to the flowers to the the species that were rare that she mm. had in that garden but what we learned is that those flowers had bulbs that they had mm. good roots that we couldn't damage them that if we actually pulled up everything from our garden that we were actually salvaging those things and then we had the opportunity to actually work through the weeds now what we found with those weeds and i think this was just a god thing that we even went through this trouble and struggle was that some of these weeds would cross under the lawn and go into different areas of our um of our backyard and so what we didn't realize were sometimes it was the same weed that had taken deep roots had established itself and then was showing up somewhere else in our life. And it's such a really good. great analogy for really, really the wounds that we have in our life. We are made by our creator. So we are creative. We can be creative in our conscious, but our subconscious and unconscious, we weren't made for pain. We were made for delight and joy and happiness and, and relationship and, and, and all the good things that you want in your life. And yet our, and so our brain will protect us from certain things. Some of the things that we learn to survive will repeat themselves in our life, but what they really are are weeds. We've learned how to use those weeds to our advantage um, and how to protect ourselves and in defense mechanisms. And I could give you all of the psychological terms for that, but really what is happening is it's choking out the good fruit in our life. When we always have our defenses up, when we're always skeptical of things, we're actually removing or separating ourselves from the good relationships that we're looking to engage in and establish and to, and to reap the fruit of. And so the first step for anyone is to understand where are those places, where are the seeds of hurt that have taken root in my life that have served a purpose. They they may have even provided some protective measure for some, for some time for some of the things that were growing in your garden. But now in order for you to grow further, in order for there to be an abundance, in order for them to be a, a fruit that multiplies, it's time to take that inventory and have the courage to pull it all up and take an assessment of what is here that no longer serves me for where God is inviting me to go. Um, and he doesn't uh, hold any disdain for us in the fact that we've used that scaffolding in our life. In fact, I, I honestly think as our father, he is so proud of how creative we are, again, because he is a great creator and we are creative. Um, but at a certain point, uh, as in all walks of maturity, we have to say, now it is time for me to assess what is here and what I need and don't need anymore because this is who I am. This is what I know. This is where God has been faithful. This is what he has reassured, reassured me on. And honestly, if I'm being really honest, these things are actually impairing my walk with him and what he has for me. So so with the, the root system entanglement and, and the manifestation of that weed in another place in our lives, once that uprooting begins, it has to be uprooted everywhere where we see it. Mm-hmm. And then we have to apply healthy understanding and knowledge to what what the 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 bulb or the correct or the or the birthing of that whatever that is that caused all that pain. Mm-hmm. So once you once you get to that place and you understand, okay, this 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 weed popped up all over my life. In fact. It's now dominating my life, mm-hmm. but I've, I've begun to pull up and find out the sourcing mm-hmm. of all these weeds. Once you find the sourcing, besides go to Journey to Wholeness, J2W, or J2Wholeness.org. Correct. Besides going there, and we'll have all this information in our show notes. 
what what do you do at this point? Like this is all this information that you just shared. It's all brand new. Mm-hmm. So what does somebody do now with this information? Yeah. So I love how you said that uh, because I want to make that point. Uh, often people think, you know, this is going to be a lifetime of me dealing with this thing. And we don't believe that in journey. Oh, that's how we are. That's how my family is. Yeah. Right? <laughs> that's how my family is. Or this is, you know, we use terms like my depression or my anger or my anxiety. And we don't believe that this is something, oh, I'm, I'm just stubborn this way. And so mm. this is the thing I deal with. So tell me how to like manage and navigate my life staying stubborn. And that's not what we believe in, mm. in journey to wholeness. We believe in healing in journey to wholeness. And also we know how neuro, the neuroscience works, right? The neurobiology works and how we were designed in the framework and the blueprint that God has given us in our very creation. The more that we understand that, the more that we can understand how to get to the root. And that's why we use that terminology. Getting to the root means getting to the very beginning, the place where this thing originated so that we can remove it if necessary. Now, what happens when you first start that journey is that you get to see this thing and it can be devastating. So the weeks that we walk through are, we walk through the grief of that and the sitting with you in that and the acknowledging of the things that have happened in your life. But we don't stay there because grief should be progressive. Grief should bring you resolution. And we show you the things that you need to do going forward so that now that you've removed these things in your garden, we don't just leave an empty uh, plot. We actually fill it with the the life-giving seeds of God's word in your life and how to apply that practically. So so talk about, because all I'm I'm hearing right now, all I'm seeing in my head with this is that that the old apostle paul standing and saying to a group of people you are god's garden Mm. you Mm. are you he he made you out of dust Mm -hmm. he breathed into your nostrils Mm -hmm. he made you a garden Mm -hmm. and here's what's happened you just you those who go who have gone before you and because probably those who went before them have sowed unrighteous or rebellious or hurtful seeds in you. Mm-hmm. It's created a trauma. It's created a series of unfortunate events. Lemony Stickets. Mm-hmm. You ever read that book? Lemony Stickets, yeah. The, the, un, the, the unfortunate events. Series of unfortunate in, uh, in events. In <laughs> all these series of unfortunate events that have happened in your life now, because we're God's garden. Mm-hmm. God's garden is rebelling mm. against the trauma. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think, you're the doctor, that's why I think that people get sick mm-hmm. and they get mentally ill. Mm-hmm. They find sourcing to cope mm-hmm. and they become imprisoned with their coping mechanism yeah. while yet their trauma fabricates more trauma. And let's shift gears here. What's interesting, and I remember you said this to me years ago, we tend to become mechanical mm-hmm. when we deal with our, our trauma or we go we go to the op- opposite extreme. We just get totally crazy and radical and mm-hmm. spew emotion all over everybody. Mm-hmm. But, but when we recognize this, this thing happening in us and our, everything about us is kicking against it, we don't want it, but, but we're prison prisoner to it Mm. and we realize that i can't keep doing what i'm doing or i'm going to crash and burn yeah what what's what's the flag to raise to say i've i've got to fix this Mm -hmm. what what do what does a, a guy or a gal do because when we're when we're talking about this trauma, we're talking about it affecting other people in oh, our lives. Absolutely. Not just us. Mm-hmm. But we're now we've talked about the seed sowing. We've talked about entanglement of foul roots and weed systems. But now we're we're entrapping with with the encroachment of our weed system on those around us that we love. Yeah. What are some what are some things, some flags that we can say, ooh. Yeah. That's happening to my son. Ooh, my wife has picked up on yeah. this and she's doing this. Absolutely. So um, what we don't heal will repeat. Uh, and that is basically part of our creation <laughs> uh, because you were made to heal. 
And so uh, often people say, well, I've learned all my coping mechanisms. But the problem with coping mechanisms, and if you've ever been on medication, you know that at some point it no longer is effective because mm-hmm. your body and brain will bypass those things because you weren't meant to stay with those things, the dis- disease or dis-ease or the illness that causes the separation and the harm. And so when we keep coping with those things, we cause further illness and disease. Why? Because our body cannot stand for it. Our mind cannot stand for it. Our spirit will not stand for it because we Mm. were made to Mm. heal, to Mm. flourish in life, to thrive. And when we're not, when we have um, been satisfied with um, uh, the help and we stop seeking the healing, now it's going to start to spread. We will repeat these things because our brain and body and spirit are giving us a new opportunity to heal from these things. We get to engage. It's kind of like double dutch. We get to jump into the double dutch at any time. But if we continue to not do that, if we continue to avoid it, if we continue to silence it, it will start to leak out, seep out into the people around us. So uh, others... uh, you know, in our in our relationship is the first place that this happens, that all of your wounds will manifest in a covenant relationship. Hmm. Because you are in a safe, lifelong relationship, your body and brain will protest and it will, without your permission, start to demonstrate all of the illness, all the things that you didn't show when you were dating, mm-hmm. <laughs> start to seep out in the first Hello. days of marriage. Mm-hmm. And so many young couples will come to me and say, I think we made a mistake. <laughs> That's a great deal of your work right now, isn't it? Um, a, a good portion. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, for a while I, I, was resistant to meeting with couples because I know that it's not a we problem, it's a me problem to begin with. Mm-hmm. And you're just in a relationship now where someone loves you enough that you've made a commitment for life that now these things can come to the surface because it's time for you to heal from them. Unfortunately, we don't always hear and see that. And so that's where a lot of the conflict in marriage will come in first. Uh, and so there's a lot of reassurance we have to do. But the first steps of any couples counseling that I do is we're looking at our own stories and our own wounds mm-hmm. to understand how those wounds are interacting with the other. Uh, and so uh, it starts with that process, but also it'll seep out into others. So in our marriage relationship, our couples, but then in our children, if we have children who are misbehaving Mm. or who are rebelling, they're usually demonstrating the wounds of the parents. They are the truth tellers because they neurobiologically, Mm. they don't even have the capability yet to actually mask those things. So they're the most, your 13 year old, you know, is the most honest person that you Mm. know. They say things that you wish they wouldn't. And yet we have to listen in that process because often our um, preteens and teenagers are demonstrating, they're acting out the wounds of the family. Mm. And when we can approach it in that way, again, it's just a new opportunity for us to engage in those wounds because we're being invited to heal once more. Yeah. Isn't it interesting though, as you talk and I've heard you speak publicly, been in your sessions, been, been a, a helper but isn't it funny over the years that that how it's so clear that God made us to be whole and not to be broken? Mm-hmm. It's it, and I think sometimes thinking about back to my kids and when they were little, it truly that it that is the truth. They manifested the the things they didn't understand or the friction in the home mm-hmm. but as they understood it so they manifested that mm-hmm. and i remember getting so frustrated with my kids it's like who that's your mama's side of the family <laughs> that is not <laughs> my side but in actuality it probably was more my side than others right. it just it just they just are little spongy they just absorb it and do yeah. it think about why you're so frustrated So typically you're more frustrated with the one that is most like you, right? Mm -hmm. Because they're heading down the same path that you're like, don't do that. I've been that way. But also they'll bring you to places that were unresolved for you at that age. Mm -hmm. And what happens to us is there's anchors. uh, So this is all in the realm of arrested development that we will go right back to who we were and where we were and how we felt in the moment where they're facing something that we face as well, but was never resolved. So that's when we get frustrated. Just go talk to your mother or go over there. You know, Mm -hmm. I don't want to talk right now. Mm -hmm. And it's not because 
you're not capable. What's happening is it's reminding you, your brain is bringing up the smell, touch, taste, vibrations, feelings, emotion, everything that you experience then. And also the frustration. Now you're not that 13 year old, 14 year old person right now. So you can bring in your wisdom from today, but often we have plenty of those. That's a season for many of us that we have some deep woundings uh, that were established where we decided something about ourselves. So to be presented with that again through a child and not have the answer because you felt stuck at that time is why we get frustrated and why there's more conflict and resistance between those two people and relationships, parent, you know, father to son, mother to daughter can get impaired in those moments because we are not resisting helping our children. Of course, we want to help our children. We want to love them. We want to help them get through. But when we get stuck, when we feel stuck and incapable of helping them through that. Now we want to turn away again from those things. We don't want that to come out of the garden of our life. We want to push that back Mm. under the soil. Mm. Why don't you go talk to someone else and then figure that out? And you're hoping then they'll come back and tell you about it because you have no idea what to do. But when we do the work of understanding our own wounds and how that played out in our story, we are equipped. Now, even if you didn't do, and I want to be reassuring here because I experienced it as well. I was going through my healing journey as my children were growing. It's not like I could push pause and wait for them to grow up. That's how it works. And so what I learned was the walk of humility of going and saying, Hey, that's not how that should have gone. I am so sorry. Let's do that over again Mm. and exploring that with my children in the pressure points where I didn't have an answer yet, but I wanted to help them through that process. And so I had to be brave and courageous enough and have the humility to go, you know what? I don't know what to do here. So let's work that through together. Oh, the bridges and the binds Mm. that you build when you do that with your children, that they know that you make mistakes too. So now they don't have an expert expectation of perfection on themselves, uh, but also that they can come to you. And even if you don't know the answer, what they're actually asking you to do is to walk with them, to be with them, to stand by their side so they don't have to do this alone. And so you said, what would the first steps be when you see these flags? These are some of the flags that I'm I'm bringing to you, that when you're frustrated, when you're having conflict in your relationships, but the first step is who can I find who has walked this way who can walk with me in it as well. And I think that's the most valuable thing the journey to wholeness has. And it's really the heart of every facilitator. It's my heart right from the very beginning that I've learned a couple of things and I don't know everything, but I've walked 10 steps or 20 steps or I've walked a mile and I can show you this part of the way and we can walk the rest of it together. Um, and if we all did that, every single one of us, like I always tell my facilitators, just imagine you're turning around and reaching to the person who's a few steps behind you, that if we can walk that through together, that that then helps us to take that difficult road that we have been resistant to or hesitant about so that we can actually walk into the healing that we so desire in our minds and our bodies. Here's, you You mentioned something, and this is one of the things that I I. I talk to guys about all the time, um, literally almost every, almost every week. And you mentioned when, when dads hit this, they hit this and let's, let's, let's laser in on father seekers now on dads or fatherless dads. So fatherless dads, when, 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 when they fall back to the, to, I believe I believe it's a revelation of Holy Spirit that says you are you are acting like a child. In fact, mm-hmm. you are acting like the child you were and are today yeah. and your kids are responding. Yeah. And I think dads do a couple of things. They either hibernate mm-hmm. and go hide and just say do whatever you want. Right. Or they hyperventilate and panic mm-hmm. and begin to operate out of fear. Oh my god you're going to turn out like me or you're going to be like my dad or you're, I hear my mother's words coming out of your mouth. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. So there's the panic sets in and the fear yeah, or they become very kingly in the wrong way. Mm -hmm. And they authoritatively try to correct and control. Right. All those are, all those are wrong. Mm -hmm. All those are, those will, will do what I, I've termed, I don't know if it's right or not, but, I've I've termed it as second uh, second level traumatic seeding where I've created from my trauma, which is already genetically 
inside my kids. Mm-hmm. I've created or I've released that trauma so it bears fruit now. Mm-hmm. And and they've got their own trauma. Like right. I'm creating trauma for them right now, but but I'm seeding my trauma in them. And then now there's this this generational thing where it's reseeded, but compressed and reseeded and compressed and reseeded. I believe that that's part of what the scripture says when the sins of the father go to the third and the fourth generation. Absolutely. It's it's we're creating traumatic issues for our, our kids that we brought along with us. And now they're going to do the same thing we've done. They're going to they're going to find coping mechanisms. They're going to hide. They're going to run. They're going to do the thing. Mm-hmm. They're going to react. They're going to respond. They're going to scream, yell, and do stuff just to show us they can. Mm-hmm. So here we are now with fathers who grew up without fathers, not knowing what to do or how to do it. Yeah. And 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 knowing, uh, knowing now. That you can never, you will never be a good father until first you're a son, mm. until you understand sonship. Mm. You can't understand sonship if you don't know why your your wiring is all screwed up. Mm-hmm. So now we've got the flags. Mm. We've got to recognize that we're, we will never, and let me pitch this out there too. We will never control any person in our house. We will never control them. The only person in our house that we can control is ourselves. Yeah. But we can lead our families. Yeah. And I think the frustration that many guys that I talk to, and I had it personally as well, is that I try to control everybody around me so that I can manage my my stuff. Mm. When they make me inconvenient, mm-hmm. they by being them kids, mm-hmm. and they inconvenience my trauma. Yeah. Then I have to deal with me and them too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now I've created yeah. hell and havoc yeah. in my house. Circuits are overloaded yeah. at this point. <laughs> yeah, well, you you said all the time, and I'm seeing the wife stand over in the corner watching her husband implode. Mm. And you said all the time, too much, too soon, too soon, too fast, too fast. Yeah, I, what you're talking about here is, I think if. I were to give you one thing today to say, is this me and do I need to go and seek out a journey to wholeness or father seeker offering? Um, Do you find yourself reacting more than you respond? If you're reacting and this can be in a multitude of ways, I'm not talking about the person who explodes because I think some of us think because we hold it in and cause the damage internally (laughs) that that's not us. And what I'm talking about here is when does your brain suddenly believe you are in a survival situation that you want to fight, flight, freeze, or fawn? What is your reaction? Are you reacting right now? You went from zero to 150 and you're saying things and exploding or you fled and your wife or your kids are like, what the heck? Where did daddy go? (laughs) I used to do that all the time. I would disappear I'll get in my car and drive for hours because yeah. yes. I don't. I can't handle none of y'all right now. I can't handle I'm out of here. Yeah, and so in that drive, I would have uh, challenged you to ask, "What do you think is going on right now? Mm. Why did you react so quickly that your mind thought in that situation you were in a survival state? I have to fight." flight, freeze, or fawn. And we have all of those in men. I see Mm -hmm. all different kinds come in. And some of us think that we do better if we're not the fighter or the flighter. But what's happening is, you know, your health is not great. Yeah, but you've hit on something here where, where men, fatherless guys in particular, and I do this, I used, I don't do it as much now. But I would I would tear or calibrate my response by how much I valued the person. Mm-hmm. If I really wanted to to salvage what's happening, I would. And fight doesn't mean you go hand to fist. Right. It means that I'm I'm contending for this yeah. for right now. Flight. I don't really care about you. Mm. I will have nothing to. I you're not worth my time. Mm. Now you may be worth it, but I just. I don't have any me to deal with it right now. Yeah. So fight, flight, freeze. Mm-hmm. You're just stuck, and it's like 
I got nothing left. Yeah. Your, your spouse is screaming, say something to you yeah. all the time. I have many times have I heard that from guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or Fawn, you feel like you have no control or authority or voice in your own home and that you're just going along to keep the peace. Yeah. The, the thing that guys say all the time, I, I, just last week, I said, what is going on with you in your home with your spouse? Mm-hmm. Number one, mm-hmm. number one, it wasn't sex. It wasn't money. It wasn't the kids. It's she doesn't respect me. Yeah. Women want to be loved and affirmed and mm-hmm. told and shown. Mm-hmm. Men want to be respected mm-hmm. in the home. Mm-hmm. As a, And I'm beginning to wonder what, what is it? What is the wound in yes. the guy? Yeah. Because the the first thing I would ask is, when did you first feel disrespected? Mm. Because until you know that, you don't know what flags your brain is looking for subconsciously that set you off so quickly. Mm. And everything that happens to you is real to you, but it may not be reality. And so to hear that, it always breaks my heart because I just hear miscommunication. I hear wound talking to wound. And we get our defenses up really quickly because we had to do that to survive in our home of origin or on the playground or at school or wherever it was that you were wounded. And your brain keeps record of that sight, smell, touch, vibration, all the details. So before you can even have a conscious thought, your subconscious and unconscious has already decided and acted on that. And that's where we find this wound getting reopened and open. Why is it happening? Because it's inviting you to have it healed. You're getting triggered in this way and it's asking you to slow down and ask yourself the questions and have the conversation and be curious enough about where is this weed in my garden that it keeps coming up? If I feel disrespected in my home every single day, it may have to do with your spouse, but it may have more to do with you. So we look at impact versus intention. It's good, two good words. Because you thought this was your person. Mm. This is the one that when I have this person by my side, we can take the world. And when did that change? And what convinced you that that changed? And where did we get off track? Because I believe that that still is your person and you Mm. can take the world with that person, but something is separating and dividing you right now. And that is your common enemy. And typically that is the wounds that have impacted you that have not been resolved that are now sabotaging you. Dang, I don't know about you. But to know that something is in my house, (laughs) trying to sabotage the good godly thing that we have here in covenant. Now we need to get ourselves together Mm -hmm. and point our arrows toward that and overcome that. That is what you're all desiring, both man and woman in that house. Mm -hmm. And when you do that, when you know that you have that as a relationship, someone shoulder to shoulder, back to back, respect isn't even something that you even have to bring up anymore because when I know that I have someone who has my back, that I don't have to turn or look that we move in tandem with each other. And because we do the work of working in tandem with each Mm -hmm. other, mm, there is nothing more appealing or respectable than that for any person, man or woman. Isn't, isn't, isn't it interesting that I think we attribute to the enemy, Satan, and the powers of darkness a lot of times more credit than they're due. Mm-hmm. And I think that we, we, we allow the flesh to, be, to take the place or at least the position or respect of the enemy when it, it is not. The flesh actually is subservient to mm-hmm. the person. In, in other words, with God's power, his spirit, his word, we can, can overcome the 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 inklings and the suggestions of the flesh paul mm-hmm. says mm-hmm. we can overcome that but when you're when you're fighting from a position of trauma it seems like that at least the fanning of the flame of weariness and brain fog and emotional fog mm-hmm. and spiritual fog all of that kicks in so then we we have to we have to narrow down the field 
to looking at this thing through two different lenses. Lenses, journey lenses, I call it. Mm-hmm. Or trauma lenses. Mm-hmm. How do, and we've talked some about it. But how do you, how do you do what you just said? Because that's the way to do it is to partner with your partner. They've not changed. The only thing that they've changed your your person to take the world with is is your behavior. <laughs> right. So how do you how do you, first off we know we humble ourselves, but how do you switch from viewing everything from traumatic lens, trauma lenses to looking at it through journey lenses. I know obviously you've got to go through journey, mm. but, but let's say healing lenses. How do you, how do you switch lenses? How do you take off one set of glasses? Cause that's the way I see my world. That's where I understand everything. If I don't have these glasses on, I can't perceive. Now I'm taking off this pair of glasses, putting on a new pair of glasses. And now my eyes and everything about me is having to adjust. Mm-hmm. How do you switch those? I think it's those two words that we just highlighted, the impact versus intent. Um, there are definitely things that when you're in a protective stance, a defensive stance, um, because of the wounds of your past, the things that you have been through, we assume that the intent is to harm, right? Again, not always consciously, mm. but we're reacting in that way. And so it has to start with impact and intent. If I assume that this person does indeed love me and wants to be with me, Mm. then I have to first give them the benefit of the doubt and say, perhaps their intent is not to harm me. Without letting go of, but the impact of what just happened was wounding. It hurt. It cut deep. Mm. And I think that's the beautiful thing about relationships, marriage, is that all of our vulnerable parts come to the surface it's beautiful it makes you go here they are and there's this opportunity to have someone join you in the healing of those things and so if we start with okay their intent isn't to harm me but let me communicate that when you said this when you did this that hurt me I then gave that person the opportunity to say back, oh, I did not intend to. Now, how does that usually pay out? You did this and you hurt me and you're a jerk and you're whatever. I'm sorry sorry you took it that way. (laughs) Yeah. And then it just keeps evolving and like the, the, it just starts rolling down the hill. And instead, if I can say, when you said this, this is how this impacted me. And I know that's in my story. But I just gave you the opportunity. If instead you're, you don't um, do that in, a, in an accusatory way, but as an invitation, you give that person the opportunity to say, that's not what I was trying to do. When I said this, this is what I was trying to communicate to you. I'm sorry that that hurt you. Why did that hurt you? What is really going on? What part of you did we just like open up? What wound did we just like triggered that we didn't realize and how can we as you heal navigate around that doesn't mean for a lifetime doesn't mean you can never say or do those things and I have to tiptoe around the other person but what that means is I'm going to have kindness and consideration because you're wounded if your spouse broke a leg got a cut right you're going to be hey they're going to be laying in bed for a couple of days as they heal from this same approach Does healing take a lifetime when you have a cut or broken? No, it takes some time though. And if I can have tenderness and appreciation for that, then we come back. Where are you at with that? Now, when we have one of those interactions and I react poorly, uh, I can, my husband can say to me, "Uh Oh, did you just get triggered in that wound again? Because he has a familiarity with it. We have the opportunity to know the most vulnerable parts of each other's lives that now we can approach it with the same kindness and love because what we're doing is building something together, right? You're my person. We're going to take the worlds, which means we're making, we're fortifying this thing. And first, what we have to do is look at where are the weak places in the walls? Where are the places that mm, something can get in between that we need to patch up and take care of? That is the beauty of being in a covenant relationship where 
this is going to be a lifetime of that. But what we found personally, my marriage, the first few years were rough, just like anyone else, because we didn't know these things. But as we learned these things, it became a place of refuge and safety and love and fortification and building up. And it's not, I know people say marriage is work and it is work when you're starting out this work. This is the journey work Mm. that we're talking about, the trauma work, the wound work. But when you do that work, I can tell you that it becomes such a place of goodness that I don't call it work anymore. When you when you do this work, you do the heavy lifting up front. But when you do this work, then you you are sowing seeds not only in the present, but also in the future and in the destiny and legacy of your kids future on. Let, let's take a couple of minutes and talk about when mom gladiator and dad gladiator are in are in the pit mm. and it's going loud and long mm-hmm. and and the observers in the stands forget the extended family of mom and dads and and in-laws and outlaws and all that forget all that let's talk about the kids who are watching mm-hmm. what's the warning we want to give to the dad today that's listening or the mom that's listening that when this is going on, there's got to be some clean fighting going on here yeah. because peop, kids hear. Uh, the only way kids don't hear is if you're in a different location. But when you come home and you're carrying the weight of that conversation, it comes into the home. Kids pick up on something. What do we say to dad and or mom about how to handle the conflict? Yeah. Um, I love that you said Uh, fight rules. (laughs) There have to be fight rules in your house of when we have a disagreement, when we've triggered something, how is it that we agree that we're going to interact? What's okay? What's not okay? Like on your honeymoon, write those down (laughs) because as soon as you get back from your honeymoon and maybe on your honeymoon, as it was for my husband and I, we found we needed fight rules because Mm. we had spent a lot of time prior, again, not intentionally, but not having any of those interactions. So we had no practice or understanding of how that was supposed to look. And then I would ask, uh, what do you tolerate? Um, what you tolerate is what you're choosing. And so I'm not saying that you should, you know, I, I'll just leave it at that. I think you can <laughs> play that it out in your own situation. Um, but what you tolerate is what you're communicating to your children that they should tolerate. And if you're okay with your children having a marriage like yours is going in the pit, then then we have some even more work to do. Reach out. Give me a call. I want to talk to you. <laughs> but third, conflict. We're going to have conflict. Again, back to that scripture. We're going to have troubles and, and struggles and pain and situations. Conflict is good. And so for those of you who are like, oh, yeah, we can't fight in front of our kids, you do them a great disservice. So you need to know those good fight rules. You need to know what you're tolerating. And also you need to have conflict that you don't shield from your children. They need to know that even though we have conflict sometimes and have disagreement, that this is how we reconcile those things. And we are a family. We're together. There's nothing that you can do that would disqualify you. Too many uh Dads and moms come to me and they're like, my parents never fight. So they never learned how to have a disagreement. Immediately, they think once they have their first disagreement in a marriage that they're done with or their marriage is broken and it's irreconcilable. No, it means that you have goals and things that you want to accomplish and do and you want to grow. You're having conflict. Conflict is great. You should have conflict if you're growing and moving forward in this world. But how are you reconciling that? The perception of our children in present time and and how they understand and see conflict and in, in resolution in our lives will manifest itself amplified hundreds of times in the next generation because not so much because of your kids and how they perceive although that's part of it but because of the culture and the world system at that time yeah um let's let's talk about Let's talk about the 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 
the affiliation of yes. Father Seekers with Journey and Wholeness. I love this. I love this so much. So uh, Father Seekers is just joined on as an affiliate for Journey to Wholeness, which means the Journey to Wholeness gets to be spread even further than it has so far. And what I love about this is that, um, you know, we have... Honestly, a balanced heart and mind, as I referenced in the beginning, began as a woman's group. Uh, not that it wasn't for men. Uh, in fact, men try to sign up for it. Um, but the, it started with women who were more willing to talk about these things out in the open than guys were. So I love this new season. I honestly feel like since 2020, we have seen a, a, a surge in men who are willing to come and talk about real things, about being vulnerable with one another, about wanting better and more for them and their families. And we're talking more openly about it. And so with Father Seekers, um, I love, you know, at the core of all this, you can hear is the impact on our relationships, especially when a lot of our trauma comes from our early years, comes from our upbringing and the interactions or the lack of interactions that we have with our parents and how that played out. Uh, and it really plays into your identity as well. And so I love the that Father Seekers really focuses on that relationship and the impact that it has on men because it has a great impact, but also that there are opportunities now in conjunction with that to get to the root of that trauma, but also uh, to start building and forming men uh, in the roles that they're seeking to excel in uh, and being focused on that. So uh, I love that. Um, so talk about uh, some of the offerings that you have this fall. So here's, here's, Here's how you can connect because we've talked about two things today. You, we've talked about um, we've talked about uh, husband and wife and learning conflict. Mm -hmm. So you can you can you can go direct and the, all this will be in the show notes. You can go directly to j two wholeness org if you want if you and if you and your person that that are going to take the world need some help and coaching on how to take the world, that's where you go. If you're a fatherless dad, listen, fatherless means I grew up without a dad. And there's many definitions of that, but I, I'm a fatherless dad and I'm fathering kids now. Then we have offerings. Go to fatherseekers.org, hit connect, and it takes you right to the prompt. And what we can do, we have individual sessions, coaching sessions through journey to wholeness. And we have very, very niche oriented laser beamed father seekers journey to wholeness. We just dig out on that route. But also if you're a fatherless pastor, I know lots of, of pastors who grew up without a dad. We, we have an opportunity for you there as well. So you can get one-on-one, -on -one, you can get a small group, you can get a 12-week, you can get a six-week. There's many options. And what we do is we focus on healing you, fixing you. And one of the things about father wounds is they affect every part of your life and every person that's in your life. And, and one other thing, um, Recently, we've had several emails. Uh, uh, one lady wrote an email and she said, well, what about us? Mm. I said, what do you mean, what about <laughs> who's us? She said, what about us who grew up without dads? Listen to this. We grew up without a dad, mm -hmm. but we're married to this nut that grew mm -hmm. up without a dad, and he's, he's manifesting all over us. Mm. So uh, we, in the future... Or go, we have a Father Seekers women's thing coming coming up. We'll talk about more about that later, but just to drip that out there and let you know about that. Uh, Becky, my good friend, I think we may have to do this again. Sounds good to me. All right. Thank you so much. Again, j2w.org and fatherseekers.org. Thanks. Thanks.